Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here from Connecticut. Rahul, how's it going, man? It's going well. It's good to be back. We've been out for a few weeks, haven't we? We have. We've missed a few games and uh, just a small matter of some deadline day transfers. We have indeed. And let me clarify, I don't think we missed the games or the transfers. We caught them on our phones. But we were <laughs> on the road for the last few weeks with some family spending some much needed away time. So for our listeners, thank you for being patient with us. We're going to do our best to catch up on what we've missed today, right? Yes, sir. So why don't we start with the transfer day deadline? I know there's a lot going on, but maybe we need to cover just two names here today. Yeah. So, I mean, two names that most people must be familiar with by now, but we talk about Ronaldo going back to Manchester United uh, and Saul making his deadline day move to Chelsea. Yeah, for sure. So let's stick with Cristiano Ronaldo, CR7, back in the Premier League. And there were murmurings of this for a while. He would go to Manchester City. Maybe Manchester United came in in the last minute. But at the age of 36, he has made his return, do we call it home? It, it is his home. I mean, that's where he made his name. and. Uh, that was the springboard for him moving to Madrid and achieving everything he did. So it's definitely uh, coming back full circle for him. Yeah. Exciting, exciting. I think they paid something like 30 million euros. It's a bunch of installments, which honestly is not a lot for players these days, but you have to remember that Ronaldo is 36 years old now, but what I'm hearing Rahul is that they've actually already recouped all that money in Jersey sales uh, pretty quickly, which is incredible. And an interesting fact is I actually heard, or I've been scrolling through the news and heard all the young players who typically train and around, you know, Mason Greenwood, some of the younger guys train and around some of the bigger players at this age, not to say that Mason Greenwood isn't massive at this time, but they're watching how Ronaldo trains. They're watching how Ronaldo eats. And so there might be some interesting developments happening at Manchester United over the next season or two, where they learn from one of the world's greatest. Yeah, you're absolutely right. As much as this is a signing for on the pitch and everything that he brings uh, in terms of his uh, goals and, and uh, overall play on the field, I think off the field, everything that he does to keep himself fit at the age of 36, the investment that he puts into his body, into his training, and the discipline that we've heard about and we've seen from Ronaldo, I think it's going to benefit not just the younger guys like Greenwood, but even some of the older guys that like a Jesse Lingard that's been there for a while, may have been a little too comfortable. And he now sees Ronaldo walk in and he's like, I got to up my game too. Right, right. Absolutely. And hey, look, we are the premier Chelsea. So if they've got a 36-year-old, we've got a 36-year-old doing great <laughs> in Thiago Silva and he's keeping himself fit and going too, right? Yes, yes, he is. All right. So Raul, and I say it that way because now <laughs> it's time to talk about Saul. <laughs> what do you have for, our, for us on him? Hey, I mean, he's. we spoke to Christian in the last episode. I know it was a few weeks ago, so if you missed it, definitely tune in. Uh, Christian, being an Atletico Madrid fan from Kickoff Coffee, mentioned about Saul and his characteristics and not just his ability to play midfield, but cover a couple of other positions on the field. Uh, so I thought it was a, a move that made sense. We did have a fourth spot available for that midfield position, uh, and he comes in and brings in... Uh, Good experience. He's got Champions League experience. He's won the title with Atletico. So he comes in uh, with experience and with the pedigree of winning things. Uh, and that's something that the squad already has at a young age for most of the guys. So I thought it was a good move, especially it was alone. Yeah, I mean, that's smart business, I would say, yeah. from Chelsea, especially with 
money coming in and out. There's a lot of stuff we can talk about later on or in a different episode regarding maybe the ruthlessness of Chelsea and how they do transfers. But we'll save some of that information for maybe another episode. We'll talk about Saul a little bit later. Like we said, we did miss some information to bring you up to speed on the episode. We don't want to dive too deep into this, but maybe we can talk a brief couple of minutes here and there about the Liverpool game. Yeah, that was a, I mean, that last time we spoke, that was a game that we were looking forward to. A big test for us uh, this early in the season, going to away to Liverpool, a full Anfield, uh, Van Dijk back, and they were firing on all cylinders and they continue to do so. So uh, going away with them and getting that one point uh, after going down to 10 men, and I know we'll touch on uh, on that in a second, I think was a good result. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I thought Liverpool looked extremely comfortable. I thought Van Dijk makes them look solid at the back. I mean, I know they still have their new centre-back signing yet to come and yeah. really put himself out there. But between him and I think Joel Matip, I think both of them looked very, very good. And Lukaku had his hands full. But I thought he did okay. I thought he did fine for a strong centre-back pairing of Liverpool until that red card, of course. We'll jump that jump into that in just a minute here. But the game started off well. Chelsea were on the back foot a little bit, but we did come forward. And I think the number that we're talking about here is number 29 in Kai Havertz. He's looking, he's looking pretty sharp this season so far. He is. He's, I think he's kicked on from that massive moment towards the end of last season. Uh, and he's coming into his own and he's adapted to the Premier League. And you can tell that he's enjoying being on the pitch now versus last season where he was still right. figuring things out. Yeah, and I think we all talked about it, even Alex, who, by the way, we didn't even talk about Alex, but he's enjoying <laughs> a study abroad in France. So if we can get him on one of these days, we will. But we talked about the fact that he changed countries, he changed clubs, language, left his family behind. He got COVID. I mean, change of coaches. The list went on and on and on. And we said we would see the best or a better version right. of Kai Havertz this season. Knock on wood, I don't want to jinx it. I think it's already starting and to, to show his true colors here. Yeah, I agree with you. And it was a good goal for us to uh, score and put ourselves one up against a good Liverpool side. Yeah, lovely looping header. A lot of people will say that he didn't mean it. He says he meant it. And at the end of the day, I don't care how it went in. It went in and we were on the front foot till that infamous red card. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but maybe you can run us through it, Rahul. I mean, I from what I've seen, I, I didn't watch the game as it was happening, but uh, Reese James clears it with his hand. I guess it hits his chest and then it hits his hand. Uh, VAR and, and the referee, Anthony Taylor, we've got a, a not so good history with, <laughs> um, gives a red card and that puts us down to 10 men. Also gives a penalty to Liverpool, which they go on and score. Uh, I don't want to get too much into the details of it because we've seen and we've heard. Um, from a lot of fans, Chelsea fans, non-Chelsea fans. Uh, but at the end of the day, if this was Trent Alexander-Arnold on the other side doing the same thing, I think you and I here would be saying that's a red card. Yeah. Uh, so I got to keep my head a little bit level and say, uh, if I want it on the other end and it's given on my end, I take it on the chin and I move on. But I think the positive here is we didn't let that affect us. We held on together. We stayed together, stuck it out and, and got that point. I got to say, watching us defend against this Liverpool team that is refreshed, everybody firing on all cylinders, it gave me a little bit of a reminder of when we played Barcelona in 2012, where we were all pinned back and trying to get out. And really, they pinned us back for the longest time. It felt like forever watching the game. And I wasn't stressed because if we lost the game, I was I was ready to accept that we had lost because we had gone a man down. However, just the determination from every single player, even Lukaku, who 
sometimes he's been criticized in the past about not necessarily caring, but he almost came back and became another midfielder. And Mason Mount dropped so deep. Every single player really pulled their weight. I mean, I think the likes of Rudiger was excellent. I think that Mendy is something. Last season, he was goalkeeper or the UEFA goalkeeper of the season or whatever you want to call it. But yeah. my goodness, the first few games we've had here so far is like, how good is this guy? And what a steal we got for him, right? Yeah, was it 22 million for him? Yeah. <laughs> He's definitely doubled, if not tripled, in value. Um, maybe not his FIFA rating. And we'll get into that in a, in a little bit. But definitely his value and. Um, I think, you know, for Mendy to do what he's been doing, he's only conceded that one goal this season, which was from the penalty spot against Liverpool. Uh, he pulls off some incredible saves. And having him behind the defense, I know the shape and the defensive uh, formation in terms of the way the defenders are set up helps the whole situation. But just knowing Mendy is there just adds to that, you know, okay, if we've messed up, we still know he's going to, throw an arm out and, and save us. And that's what he does. And uh, talking about a defense in this game, we've got to give credit to Tuchel. I mean, this time last year, towards the end of last year, we were just shipping goals for fun. Yeah. And I know we spoke about it and we were defending Lampard, but seeing what we've seen between since when Tuchel came in and now, it's the same players, but defensively we were much, much better. And you've got to give that credit to him. Yeah, and, you know, we say it's the same players, Rahul, but I think a couple of things he's done is Rudiger barely saw match time under right. Lampard, at least towards the end. Alonso was finished. We heard lots of rumors about right. him being kicked off a field. Jorginho, one of our most senior players, and I'll talk about him in the Aston Villa game and, and later on, but even he has come back full fold into the game. Aspilicueta barely got games because Reese was emerging, and, and rightly right. so. But some of these players, Tuchel looked at it and said, let's do the basics right. And I've got the core group of guys that can do the basics right. And we'll bring in the youth around him, which he, he has promised to do and continue to do in the yeah. likes of Reese, Mason, Callum gets a game and now Chaloba coming through for the next game we'll talk about here. But it's been good to see, I think, defensively. That has been great since he's taken over. What we did miss under Tuchel was offensively. Right. And I'll save some of that little bit of review when we get to the next game. Because again, yes. in the Liverpool game, it was all about the defense. Right. No, no, you're absolutely right. And um, so far, I mean, up until the Liverpool game, that was two wins and a draw, which I don't think we would have ever complained about. And then we kicked on and we'll touch into the, the Aston Villa game. Uh, but before we do that, just touching on the match week four that just ended. Uh, some good results and started with a big game I mean a big bang between Palace and Spurs and I don't think anyone expected the result uh, but I remember waking up and I turned the, the game on and it was nil nil and I was like all right Spurs will scrap one out here like they have been all season and then Palace just turned it on they win a penalty the the young uh, striker I forget his name from Celtic, they signed on deadline day another signing deadline day signing he comes on and scores two in eight minutes yeah, it's incredible because when I saw the game, again, no disrespect, but I didn't feel like it was worth watching. I thought that was an easy one for Spurs. Yes, it's a London derby, but I think with the quality that, that they have, you and I and Alex have talked about Vieira and maybe his lack of management experience. Right. He, he would be put to bed by Nuno, but really this is Spurs doing Spurs things. And <laughs> I was honestly shocked at 3-0. I mean, sometimes you can allow, a, a, a no disrespect, again, a lower team to nick one nil or a couple of goals here, but to give them a 3-0 thrashing, it's a real wake-up call for a Spurs side that beat Manchester City in the early days. Right, they did. And uh, not to focus too much on Spurs, just on the Palace side, Connor Gallagher, our, our mm. guy on loan there, 
he's putting in some good performances in the last game before this one. I think he got a couple of goals in this game. He was influencing everything positive they were doing on both ends of the field. And that's one of the benefits of having the lone army that we, we were so famously known for is that he's gone out there. He's getting the game time that he needs to develop and he is using it to develop. And I, I'm excited to have him back early days. I know, but just from what I've seen, if he comes back with that kind of form, we could have a good goal scoring midfielder yeah. on our hands. Yeah, honestly, I've always been a fan of Connor. I think even in preseason watching him, he's got a little bit of flair to him, which you don't always say with most English players. They're more cut and dry, but a little bit of flair to him. I think what I'll take out of it is if he comes back and he can contribute, excellent. If not, Chelsea have done an excellent job of making great profits on these young players. And I hate to say it like that because they are human beings at the end of the day, but it's a business at the end of the day. Football is a business. And Chelsea have found a way to make a great profit on some of these young players as well. Yeah, and, and we use that money and and whatever we make to buy players like Lukaku. I mean, this past summer, not to get off topic, everything that we spent on Lukaku was generated by the sales that we made. So Correct. it's smart, smart business model, like you were saying. But coming back to North London and moving to the other side, Arsenal are finally out of the relegation zone. I don't want to make too much noise on this podcast, but I almost want to share a little clap for us. I mean, I was hearing some funny things online, Rahul, about how they were so excited to beat Norwich. And I was like, on paper, guys, you need to be meeting Norwich. Like, <laughs> this shouldn't be a celebration. But I get it. They've been in a tough spot for the first few games here that I think it's one of those that they needed this win. And hopefully they can kick off from here. I, I mean, we're rivals of Arsenal, but I've always said that they are a top club and they deserve to be a lot higher or performing a lot better. So Hopefully this is a chance. I know we're hearing a lot of things that if if Arteta doesn't win a couple of games or string a couple of results together, he may be gone. But let's see how this plays out. It's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, for sure. And it was a scrappy goal again. But like you said, at this point, a win is a win. And it could help them kick kick on and and get some results and move up the table. Uh, Brighton, another team that continues to impress in that they sit, I believe, fifth on the table and that was, again, I, said, I think I said this in the last episode, we picked them to get relegated, yeah. and here they are uh, making a mock of our prediction, which is good for them and good for Graham Potter because uh, he got a lot of criticism last year, and he's showing that he stuck to his model and way of doing things, and it's getting him results. Yeah, for sure, and a little bit disappointing for Brentford because they have been high flyers a little bit earlier this season, so maybe a reality check or someone's figured out how they're playing their game, and that's probably kind of slowed things down there so it'll be interesting to see maybe Brentford are going back down I have no idea I don't want to make predictions now because <laughs> apparently they start making good results and then take themselves out of it but yeah yeah uh I'll skip over the United game we'll come back to it in a second Wolves pick up a, their first win of the season uh and for a while it looked like the new manager was not you know getting it right but they come up against Watford and they score two goals and I think this again acts or becomes a springboard for them to go on and pick up some some results and wins and um, I'm kind of excited by the young Korean striker I forget his name too but a lot of young players young strikers made a good impression this this uh, match week yeah and Wolves manager I think his name is Bruno Lag or Lagi I don't want to say that incorrectly but I had picked him for one of the first managers to get fired but mainly because I didn't think he would understand the Premier League maybe he's got a chance here maybe this he can take this and run from it and They do have a decent squad. They've held on to the likes of Adama Traore. They've got Yao Mantino. They've got uh, the young right winger. I forget his name right now. And of course, the South Korean center forward. They've got a good squad. Raul Jimenez is back and fit and hopefully can get back to scoring ways. So 
good luck to them. Hopefully they can perform a little better and I'll eat my uh, humble pie on that manager getting fired early. Yeah, um, we typically end end up eating a lot of humble pie on here. <laughs> um, but one team, and, and we touched on Ronaldo up at the beginning of the episode, it's, it's such a, it's one of those signings that just gets everybody associated with the club up for it. Yeah. Now the fans were excited. We you expect that, but even the players internally are excited and looking for looking around and saying, "Well, I'm playing with a, a four or five time Ballon d'Or Ballon d'Or winner over here. He's won the Champions League for four or five times." And you could see that from the first goal he scored. I mean, his movement. He's the only one that says, "You know what? This ball could fall in my path. I'm going to make that run." And it falls to him, and he scores. And then I'm watching the highlights. And as soon as he does his <laughs> celebration, the whole of Old Trafford does that celebration with him. And I'm like, this is going to be one of those painful like seasons where it's going to be United fans just back to their, their trying to think of the, a, a less harsh word, <laughs> but back to their annoying self from, from a few seasons ago where it's like, we're the best and, and nothing else matters. Look, Ronaldo is one of the world's best. I'm I'm a big Chelsea fan. A lot of people have known you and I have been Chelsea fans for decades now, but we need to speak the truth. And I've always thought he was an excellent, excellent player. From a Chelsea standpoint, when there were initial murmurs that we were in for him, from our standpoint, it didn't it didn't really make sense because Chelsea are not really a team that signs veterans, exception maybe Didier Drogba, who came back for right. his special season. But we don't usually go for that kind of player. But when we were linked with him, I thought, Wow, that'd be incredible. And that's saying him as a Man United boy, a Real Madrid boy, Juventus boy, whatever you want to call it. He's just got that something special. And like you said, he's got that additional third eye, vision, prediction, whatever you want to call it. Like, where do I need instinct, to be? Yeah. Instinct, yeah, yeah, to get a goal. And so he showed that not only with the first one, but with the follow-up of that quick darting run. You tell me he's 36 if you don't know him, and I would say you are lying to me because I've seen some 36-year-old <laughs> run, and they do not run like this guy when he made that second goal for himself. That was incredible. That, that was incredible. And not taking anything away from him, but I'm looking at the Newcastle defense, and I'm like, you have Cristiano Ronaldo running through, and you just let him do it. <laughs> it's more like what, it, like, what were you preparing? And I know that was a question they posed to Steve Bruce, later on was what did you prepare for the last week uh but i don't want to get into that coming back to united they looked impressive bruno fernandez gets into the goals. wonderful jesse, goal. wonderful jesse goal. lingard yeah. gets the goals and i feel like they're gonna ride this ronaldo wave of you know positivity and we've got to keep winning and, and getting results for a, a, a few weeks maybe even months and that could put them in a position to make a run for the title yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. Definitely, I think they have a chance to make a run for the title. And honestly, Rahul, I expect it. I think that he's brought more than just goals and more than just finishing an assist. He's brought that aura around him of that right. we as a club need to step up. I didn't come here to retire. And I think Ronaldo has been quoted saying that many, many times, not just with Man United, but as he moved from Madrid to Juventus and how he'd finish his career. I, I didn't come here to retire. I came here to win things. And that mentality probably is a good word to use is what he's going to spread into the rest of the team. So uh, I wouldn't say I'm worried by it because I think we've got an incredible number nine of our own. We'll talk about him in just a few minutes here. But I think it's something that we need to pay attention to and give him the respect that he deserves. And we'll go from there and see how we play out. The games between Chelsea and Man United are going to be super fiery. They are. And, and uh, the season in, in just general, before, before Ronaldo made the move, I think we were still expecting United to be up there. 
And now I think he just brings them a step closer. And it's going to be a fun season with, you know, the signings we've made, with the signings Man United have made. Uh, Man City and Liverpool will be up there too with, you know, just the performances they've been putting in for the last few seasons. So I'm excited by it. But at the same time, I'm also looking at the Mr. Beam memes coming out and, and everything that points towards us winning a title, which will be great. But let's come into our game here, which was against Aston Villa, who no no easy team to play against. Um, and they actually beat us towards the end of last season. So this was a game that I was kind of nervous about. But why don't we run through the starting 11 and then we can talk about some of the key moments. Yeah, absolutely. So we're playing the traditional 3-4-2-1 that Tuchel seems to favor. It's done wonders for us. We've won the Champions League. I always have to sneak that in there. But Mendy in goal, we've already touched on him and how incredible he's been recently. I'm kind of worried when he goes for the African Cup of Nations. But I got a back cap, so I'll bite my tongue there. Defenders, Rudiger, Thiago Silva. I talked about our 36-year-old still going strong. Trevor Chalobas. We've got a good mix of the senior and the experience with the youth and the young and thriving coming through. Midfield, we had Marcos Alonso playing left wing back. He has solidified that spot so far this season and took the captain's armband for this game, which is great respect to people showing him. Mateo Kovacic, Callum Hudson-Odoi at right wing back. I skipped over a name here. Saul making his debut. Just, I think it was probably a week after signing for Chelsea. So, Exciting to see him make his debut. The forwards were Kai Havertz, Hakim Ziyech, and of course, leading the line, Romelu Lukaku. Yeah, a strong, a strong lineup. Uh, maybe a surprise with, um, Co- uh, I beg your pardon, Alonso getting the captain's armband. But again, he's been here for four, five, six seasons now. Probably uh, the longest of everybody on that pitch there. Yeah, and he's he's been a leading member of the squad in terms of performances, in terms of goals. And uh, especially in that system with the left wing back, you can't really question him much because he does his, his job. And I think it's a good, like you said, a good um, sign of respect from Tuchel to say, I trust my senior guys, Alonso, you are one of them. Uh, And here's the captain's armband. Yeah, a couple of surprises, or maybe you'll argue with me, maybe they're not surprises, but Hakim Ziyech coming back into the squad he had a little bit of a niggle on his, uh, I think it was his shoulder. shoulder so that yeah. seems to have come back and he's fine. Uh, Callum and right wing back. I know he had experimented with this in the preseason. So he got the start there. And then for me, the biggest surprise, maybe Saul, just within a week coming from a different country, different language, different style of play gets the start. Any thoughts on these three names I've thrown out there? Yeah, I, I think the Hakim Ziyech, I think, just need some game time. And this was in terms of the international break with Mason Mount playing and uh, Pulisic being injured um, and Timo Werner playing for Germany. I think Ziyech was a good choice and he gets a few minutes under his belt, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, I was excited to see Callum because obviously Reese was suspended due to the red card from the, the Liverpool game, but uh, Tuchel could have easily pushed Aspilicueta out there and, and played him, but he decided to play Hudson-Odoi and uh, I think Hudson-Odoi needs to be making more of these opportunities. He was great when he first came in, Tucho first came in, Hudson-Odoi was, was performing. I think he kind of fell off. Towards the end of the, of the transfer window, there was rumors that he may be leaving to Bayern Munich, and Chelsea said no, and Tucho said no, I want you in my squad. So it shows that he values him. I think he just expects a little bit more from him, and he's giving him an opportunity to do that. And I think Hudson-Odoi, for the 60 minutes or so, he was on de- decent. Um, I wouldn't say he 
put in his name into the hat for starting as a right wing back regularly once Reese is back, but he's a good option and we have a lot of games and coming to the third name, uh, Saul, I think before the game started, you're like, all right, I can see why he's starting. Conte is out. Jorginho has just come back from international duty. He's played a lot, not just this season, but over the summer, last season for us. So giving him a, a, a game, at least on the bench, wasn't a bad idea, but you could see Saul was not ready. Um, and in hindsight, he makes a change at halftime and he realizes that I, I made a mistake, but um, we didn't get punished from this mistake, which is the most important thing. Yeah, so I want to touch on Callum pretty quickly again. I think he's only 19, 20 years old, if I'm not mistaken. So him playing at right wing back, and he did get a little bit of opportunity to play on the wings or that attacking midfield position. I think he did all right. I think you're right. He didn't light the world ablaze by any means. But he definitely put in a good shift, maybe saying, hey, Tuchel, maybe in another big game, let me get 20 minutes off the bench. Give me a little more game time. And I think he's doing okay. Again, he's a young lad. He's got a lot of competition for places, but I think he's got the mentality to succeed and hopefully he can. Uh, he did have a big injury uh, two seasons ago. He's slowly working himself back from that. Uh, he's been inconsistent, but I think, I think we'll see a little bit more of Callum towards the end of the season, but with Saul, I think you've been very, very nice. I think it was rushed <laughs> in. I thought that his, a lot of his passes went astray, which it did. I get it that, you know, new, new league, new country, different English, but it's like different language, not English, but it's like, you look over to the left and let me play the ball to you, but you play completely in opposite direction. And I'm like, woof, did this guy warm up even before getting onto the game? Look uh, too quick to judge him. It's early days. I think that he will come good. I think you, you touched on it earlier. He's got a lot of experience. Uh, it might just be nerves. And what I like to see was there's actually an Instagram post that he put up later on saying he did not the way I expected my debut to go, but glad to get the minutes. And I think he he's humble in that fact that, right. you know, he put his hand up and said, not not what you expect from me. Uh, give me another chance to the fans. I'm, I'm speaking about what the fans would think and we'll see how that plays. But big, big credit to, credit to Thomas Tuchel to just recognize that immediately and say, look, I, I know I brought him on because I wanted Jorginho to get a break. But if I continue to allow this, we're going to lose this game. And so let's make that that big shift and bring Jorginho on in that second half. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And and I'd rather Saul get this experience in the Villa game at Stamford Bridge with Chelsea fans there supporting him versus against Tottenham next week or against Man City the week after because we would get punished in those games. So no disrespect to Aston Villa, but I think Saul will learn from this. Like we said, he's, he's an experienced guy and he's 26, 27. Uh, so he's going to take this into his stride and say, I, I want to do better. And for Tuchel and the other guys in, in the coaching squad now know that we can't throw him out into the fire again. We've got to ease him into it. And a, a cup game against Aston Villa next week may be the right opportunity for Saul to say, all right, I didn't do well against them uh, 10 days ago, but now I have another opportunity against the same opposition. Let me give it another shot. Yeah, most definitely. I hope he takes those chances as they come, like we talked about Callum and I think there's a lot of talk about maybe the loan with an obligation to buy. I've also heard the loan with an option to buy and uh, not trying to judge Tuchel, but if it's a loan with an, with an obligation to buy, I think you're trying to kind of figure him out really, really quickly. If it's an option with buy, you don't really care what happens. Give the guy a chance. If he plays well, good, you go ahead and purchase him. Right. If he doesn't, the loan's over and you send him back. So it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, more will come out. And like I said, as, as the games go on, I think we'll see a better version of Saul as we go through this. Yeah, I agree with you. But getting into the game itself, um, kind of 
scrappy in that you know international break some of the guys had gone away and were just coming back Aston Villa a good team and even though they were missing key players in Emmy Martinez and uh Buendia who that's a whole different different topic Don't open that one yeah <laughs> um but they missed out due to if you haven't heard of it go google it you'll you'll it's a whole different can of worms but um, they miss up, but they're still a strong team, and they actually started Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings, which Danny Ings has been on fire this season. Yeah. Um, so that was a, a task for our defense, which they did pretty well. And the first goal for Chelsea comes from Lukaku, but you've got to give credit to Kovacic, who we know is good for his driving runs, but wow, that ball in behind their defense was something else. I see that Frank Kovacic behind you over there. I mean, Mateo Kovacic, I'm sorry. No, I mean, when he when he's changed to that number eight shirt and he's played in that little more advanced role, letting Saul or Jorginho sit a little bit deeper or Conte even, I think he performs really, really well. He's got some pace to him. He's got the ability to hold the ball well. We've always complained. Complain's not the right word. We've always been a little bit worried of his lack of creativity in the final third. Right. But what a ball that he passed over to Lukaku for that first goal. He did. And I, I, you know, what I found most fascinating was he played the ball and then he just like held on, like he knew what he had done. And he was like, come on, Lukaku, just score, just score. And Lukaku then obviously fakes it, brings it back onto his right and buries it, which two parts of this goal, obviously the Kovacic ball, which we've lacked for, for a while. Um, And then the, Lukaku finish, which we again lacked for a while, which other strikers may have tried to take it for a time and the defender blocks it. But Lukaku, even after the, the game said, I knew what Tuan Zebe likes to do. He's left-footed. So I had to bring it back. And that shows you the intelligence and the maturity of the guy. Uh, you know, 28 years old and he's learned his game and he's learned how to manage these situations and uh, one chance and one goal. Yeah, honestly, I'll disagree with you a little bit on the ball because I think we've got the likes of Jorginho, Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, Alonso, Reese. We've got ball players that can give in a great ball. Kovacic's ball was exceptional. That's where the difference comes in. I thought that was an incredible pass from him in midfield. The finish from Lukaku, though, Rahul, I think we talked about it, not just in the last few episodes, last season a lot. We griped about, well, if Tammy Abraham wants to be the difference between... Right a great striker and a world-class striker, you need to finish your chances. If Timo Werner wants to get more goals, you got to finish your chances. Lukaku finishes his chances. And it's not just like I tap it in. It's the presence of mind. I think you said it. He's got that confidence now because he's 28. He's gone and applied his his trade in different countries. He's so relaxed. He gets this ball. And I feel like you talk about Timo, you talk about Tammy. Giroud is a different story. I just think he didn't get the chance. But Timo and Tammy, they almost grab it panic and just try and get the ball in the net where Lukaku is like one step ahead hey this guy's a left footer he's going to come this way so let me fake cut and then just stroll it into the net it's pretty impressive what he can do yeah it is and it's it shows you with it I mean yes his physicality is an issue for defenders but it shows you the defenders know he's thinking and he's intelligent so they're almost trying to second guess him um, and he's always a step ahead or he's been a step ahead so far this season. And it's good for us to see because uh, without that first goal, it's still nil-nil. Aston Villa can nick a goal and it changes the whole whole game. But we go one ahead and that gives us the confidence to push on and get a second and get a third. And I think that's the difference between last season and this season. And you were touching on it too, was 
defensively we're solid, but this season we have someone that can get us a goal when we need it to change the, the trajectory of a game. And I want to talk about the second and third goal, but before we do that, I think you touched a little bit on Aston Villa looking at their squad. They have a decent squad. They actually played really well, honestly, in that first half, they had a lot of chances and we, we heaped some praise upon Mendy early on in the, in the episode here. He was incredible with how he stretches. I mean, we have a great defense. Yes, we play three. Yes, we play two holding midfielders. But Aston Villa still found ways to get shots in, to get the ball they in did, through. Yeah. And Mendy was unbreakable. I mean, he would jump to dive saves. He would look around, catch balls out of the air. He was incredible. I'm just looking at some of the stats here. They had 18 shots, Aston Villa did. Six were on target versus our four. And that tells you the difference because we scored three and they scored none. So three out of our four, they scored none. If we don't have many in there, and I'm not saying Kepa wouldn't do that. I think we, we might see a different Kepa this year. He seemed a little more confident in preseason, but Mendy just takes it to a whole nother level with his long arms, long legs, confidence spewing out of him. Uh, it's reassuring to have a goalkeeper of that stature behind your three at the back in your defensive midfielder. Because even if those two lines slip up, you know you've got a good guy there to save the ball. Yeah, you're spot on. And I think I saw a stat somewhere, and it might not be 100% accurate, but I think every shot Mendy has faced this season, and I think it's 16 shots, he's saved every single one of them. Wow. That's and incredible. that's a stat that I think is unmatched by any other goalie in, in the, the whole of Europe. So um, credit to him and credit to the, the goalkeeping staff that's keeping him uh, you know, sharp, in training so that when he comes into these games and gets into these situations, he's ready to make any kind of save. So um, another player I just want to touch on before we move on to the second and third goal is Thiago Silva. Yeah. 36, you mentioned earlier in the, at the beginning of the episode, not really played much this season. He came on in the second half against Liverpool, but he plays and has that calmness about him that you would expect. Like he was, you know, in his prime. And at 36, I think he's still in his prime. Yeah, he is. Uh, so um, I'm just, it's just a joy to watch him. And I feel like Trevor Chaloba watching him and Rudiger watching him and just knowing that he's there, even for a Mendy to know Thiago Silva is ahead of me, just gives everyone some confidence and calmness that uh, we may have been lacking without him. Yeah, 100% agreed. I, I don't know how to heap more praise onto such a decorated <laughs> player. The biggest thing we had talked about was he had needed that Champions League win and he got it last year. So for him, maybe now just to cap off a career. And I hope he stays because even if he doesn't play next year, it'll be good to have that experience in the dressing room and and on the bench. But maybe to cap off this season with a Premier League, fingers crossed, that's all I can say. (laughs) Yeah, so let's move on to the second goal. And we come back to Frank Kovacic was what you said. Um, And Aston Villa knocking the ball around, repressing them and... That's the energy of Kovacic, which he brings us. He can go up the field, press, and in this case, his pressing leads to a short pass back from Minks to the goalie jet steer. Uh, and Kovacic runs on and, and dinks it over and makes it 2-0, really out of nothing. <laughs> yeah, honestly, so, so confident with the pressure and just the for you know, thinking ahead of similar to what Lukaku did, right. like, hey, this ball might end up somewhere. So let me just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And he got that chance and just the presence of mind to say, this guy's here. And for a guy who does not score very often, for a guy who has never scored at Stamford Bridge in I think it's 100-odd games or so, if I am not mistaken, to just dink it over the goalkeeper and let it end in the net was beautiful to see. And that's why I call him Frank Kovacic for this particular game. 
Yeah, it was. And it was rewarding because he was having a good game. He's kind of pressed and hoped that they would make a mistake, and they did. And he goes in and not much time to think, just dinks it and, and makes it 2-0 and puts us in a position where, again, Villa, we're coming into the game, we're creating, and like you said, 18 shots on, tar- on goal and uh, could have been a little different if that second goal hadn't gone in. I said that for the first one. I say that for the second one. And um, it helped kind of just calm us down and say we're even in more control and uh, we just need to kill this game with the third, which came right at the end. Yeah, and that's what I like about this season versus maybe the earlier part of last season and, and a little bit towards the end of last season as well is we're learning how to kill off games, which is great. You have the one nail early on, which is it's nice, but one nail can quickly become 2-1 and that's the end of the game. Two nail can also go bad, but when you say let's put the sword to the game and finish with that third goal, and this is where I need to praise Lukaku. Maybe you want to talk us through the goal because I think he had two chances and two goals. He did. And this one, I think Aspilicueta had come on at this point and uh, he's making a run down the right and kind of cuts in. Uh, you got to give credit to Timo Werner, who had also come on, who was ahead of Lukaku and kind of dragging defenders away, uh, which opened the spot open. It opened it up for Aspilicueta to play it into Lukaku and Lukaku one touch and the second touch into the roof of the net. And that makes it three nil. <laughs> Yeah, big, big difference on having a player that's confident like that. And I got to knock on wood that he continues to keep this confidence yeah. <laughs> for the rest of the season because I think that that's a difference maker. Just like we talked about CR7, Lukaku almost said anything Cristiano can do, I can do better. And boy, that second goal was just him letting out all his frustration because he didn't have a lot of the ball that that particular game. Not that we were playing poorly, Aston Villa, credit to them. We haven't given them enough praise playing with two strikers up front, five in the back really knew how to kind of keep taking the ball off of us. And we kept pressing and pressing and pressing. But again, just two chances, two goals. And that second goal was a, a firecracker into the top corner. It was. And, um, and the celebration, which you can see in my uh, background, was <laughs> was funny because he did the knee slide in the, after the first goal and that didn't really go well. So he was like, I'm just going to run up to the corner flag and, and uh, talk to the, to the crowd and the rest of the guys come in. And it was just fun to see rewarding um as fans for us it was just a good day watching our boys and not good in the sense that Aston Villa had their chances but good that we could ride that wave of you know defensive solidity and then get those goals and without Lukaku like I was saying this game is a one nil kind of uncomfortable win with Lukaku it's three nil we're comfortable we're enjoying it we look forward to the following week and uh, we don't really worry about who's going to score our goals yeah, for sure. I think he's going to be a difference maker this season. I did put up a little post and asked a few questions on Instagram about if he would be a top goal scorer. A <laughs> lot of back and forth between Lukaku and Ronaldo. I said, look, let's just wait till the end of the season. If he doesn't finish top goal scorer, that's fine. And Tuchel said the exact same thing. Doesn't care who finishes top goal scorer as long as Lukaku keeps banging in goals for Chelsea. That's really all that matters. So we'll see at the end of the season. Again, it's just a fun little thing. For anybody who supports Lukaku, would love it. Love to see you guys support him. I think it's well-deserved. And if you support Ronaldo, great. Let's have a fun little competition towards the end of the season and see where the golden boot ends up. Yeah, and if you're in our fantasy league, you probably have trying to pick up both of them, which would be a smart move because those are guaranteed goals week in, week out. My budget is quite tight. I cannot <laughs> afford any of them right now. <laughs> no, but that's great news and good to, good information to share. But let's move on. Champions League is back and we're defending our crown. 
still feels like yesterday where we won it, but the new campaign is here and we kick off the group stages versus uh, Zenit St. Petersburg coming to Stamford Bridge. Yep. So like you said, the champions of Europe opening up the defense to Zenit at home. We're actually going tomorrow. So if anybody was interested, I believe that's September 14th. I don't know where everybody's listening in the time zone, but September 14th. Um, it's the second time we're playing a Russian team back to back. Last season we played, I don't know, Rahul, you had expertly pr- pronounced their name, but I believe it's Krasnodar from last season. Yeah, Krasnodar. There you go, Krasnodar. <laughs> see, sometimes you can rely on me for pronunciation. Other times I got to go to you. So second time we're playing a Russian team. And, you know, some of these Russian teams are pretty strong. They set themselves up with a lot of discipline. So it's not going to be an easy walk in the park. Uh, I'm not saying I don't expect to win, but definitely we need to be paying attention to who we're playing and what's going on. Just a couple of interesting things. Last season when we won the Champions League, I'd love to slide that in there. We won a total of nine games out of a 13 run. Uh, three draws and only one loss. So pretty strong season for us last year. And of course, we ended up winning it. Um, Mendy, again, I need to heap a little bit of praise on this man. He kept nine clean sheets, the most in a single UCL campaign by a goalkeeper for an English side. I'm being very clear with the facts here. I don't want any fans coming to say, well, Barcelona did that and Madrid <laughs> did that and Milan did that. I get it, but we're proud of Mendy. And so we try and heap as much praise as we can upon the young man. So it's going to be an interesting game, Rahul. Maybe you can give us a predicted 11 and we wrap up with maybe a, a scoreline. Yeah, so I, I think, I mean, Mendy keeps his spot in goal. Uh, we may see a little bit of change in defense with Espy coming back in. Uh, maybe Christensen coming in as well for Silva to get uh, a break. Uh, Rudiger, I think, is is a mainstay in the squad as long as he stays fit. Uh, I think Reese James comes back in. Kovacic, Jorginho keep their spot. Uh, especially after that second half against Villa. I think Ben Chilwell, and it's, this is a name that has been in, in and out of the media, and I think Tuchel himself today was talking about Ben Chilwell, so maybe we can touch on him uh, in a second here. I think Kai and Mount in attack with Lukaku up top. Yeah, I'm going to touch on a couple of names here because I think that's a great squad, and we have a pretty big squad, so it's good to rotate. Mount not playing the last game, I believe, was the first time he'd not made an appearance for Tuchel since Tuchel's first game back in, like, February. So it was a big, big one to not see Mount, but I think it was a well-deserved rest. That young man has played a lot of football, and we have a big squad, so might as well use it. I'd be excited to see Ben Chilwell, Rahul. I think I love Alonso as a left wing back, but Ben Chilwell can defend a little bit better. Zenit might have a little bit of a surprise to them, and it might be good to just see Chilwell get a good run out in this game. I think so too. And I, like I was saying, Tucho was talking about him and he said, listen, he, the last game he played and you and I spoke about this too, was in the champions league. He didn't play for England at all. He went away on break. He came back and he was mentally just tired. Then he had to get fit in terms of his legs. And so in, in all of that, Alonso was fit and had played four or five games in preseason. So he just had to give Alonso the games and let Ben Chilwell get to a point where he's ready. And he is ready now, but he's got to be patient because he's got a senior guy in Alonso who's performing and doing well. And it, I mean, it's all fair. It's just, this mm-hmm. is the name of the game at Chelsea. And uh, you get your opportunity, like we were saying with Saul and, and Hudson Adore earlier in the episode and Ben Chilwell will get it because not, if not this game, we have a Carabao cup game coming up the following week and, uh, Tuchel is going to rotate and Ben Chilwell has to make an, uh, most of his opportunity if and when it comes. Yeah, well said. I think making the most of your opportunity is the most important thing here. I think 
Alonso has been brilliant. I think that's easy to say. He was nominated for player of the month and we put a little post up and it was yeah. overwhelming love for Alonso. So we know a lot of the fans out there who traditionally have supported Chilwell because he's a better defensive player are just in love with the form that Alonso is in right now. And you've got to go because form is current and forms what impo- what's important. Right. But there's this funny saying that class is permanent. I think Chilwell will come back once he's fully fit and gets a few games under his belt. I agree. And, and just touching on that player of the month, um, Paul Antonio won it and picked up a red card in his following <laughs> game and Nuno won manager of the month and lost 3-0 so I'm glad we stayed away from those awards perfect if you're superstitious then you know we don't want to win any of those for the rest of the season we'll take the Premier League um, but no one more player Rahul I want to talk about is Jorginho I think last season I'm going to take my hat off and say I was a little critical of him I think at times Jorginho can be a frustrating player to watch. He did come from Italy where the pace is a lot slower and it's difficult to see. But when Jorginho played against Liverpool and we were that deep low block and we were struggling to kind of keep possession, we defended very well. He looked tired towards the end. They took him off and they brought Chiloba on to play in midfield. And instantly we were missing that outlet. The amazing ability of Jorginho to come super, super deep and collect the ball from the centre-backs who were being pressed heavily and find a beautiful little swivel and lay it off is something I didn't really appreciate till I saw us with 10 men. And then when you look at it with Saul playing, and again, I know that Saul will come good in a little bit of time, but Jorginho coming on the second half was like, you can breathe because (laughs) he almost has this level of no care attitude when the ball's at his feet saying, I have it, everybody calm down. I'm going to look for the right pass. And I believe the Italian term they use is regista, almost like yeah. they set the tempo of the game. And with yeah. him, he does. He really does find a way to set the tempo. So I'll be excited to see him back in the squad and see what he can do for us in this particular game. No, that, that's a fair point. And I was critical of him too. Uh, I think I even said he was a luxury player, which right. at that point in that formation was a luxury we couldn't afford. But since then, in a different formation, in a different team with different players around him and in that, you know, with the wingbacks, he's become an essential player. He's become a player that we need in that squad or in that in that formation to help us just tick, like you said, like a regista, just short pass here, short ball there, give me the ball back, I'll move it. And you don't appreciate that. And you and I didn't appreciate that last season because we were like, we just need a defensive midfielder who can break things up and we don't care if you can pass or whatever. <laughs> but Jorginho is showing that you can do that and also pass and, and get your team out of trouble uh, and take the pressure off of the other guys. And he's kind of matured into that role. We saw it with Italy, obviously, in a different formation, but he kind of continued that. And he was rewarded. He won the Champions League. He won the Euros. He won the Super Cup. He won the UEFA Player of the Season for last season. So it's it's kind of ridiculous for you and me to be like, well, we don't really see what he does because he does a lot and we've come to appreciate that. And hopefully other fans around us and, and like us that were kind of critical of him last season appreciate what he's doing. And it's almost like you miss someone when they're gone. And that's kind of what happened with Jorginho. Well said, my friend. Well said. So I'm excited to see him come back into the team, especially with Kovacic as number eight. Maybe the two of them can really get that defensive Regista and then that attacking midfielder connection and that would be brilliant to keep watching this season it would and and we've got Conte to come back too so um, some good options and like we said we've got a great squad but coming back to the Zenit game any score predictions from you 
Yeah, I'm decently confident. No disrespect to Zenit, but I think Tuchel's got us very well oiled. And if this team that you've predicted comes out to play, uh, we should do pretty well. I'm, I'm predicting maybe a 2-0 win for us here. Yeah, I, I was going for a 2-0 too, so I'm going to go with a 3-0. And uh, hopefully Lukaku gets a couple of goals and then we can see Werner come in and, and yeah. kind of uh, stake a claim for that position because it would be awesome to have Lukaku and Timo Werner kind of competing against each other. Um, but before we wrap it up, I do want to touch on the Chelsea women uh, who are back in action. Their season started uh, about 10 days ago at this point, and they've lost the first game to Arsenal 3-2. A couple of dodgy decisions by the referees, and there was no VAR in, in the Women's Super League, which is a whole different topic. Uh, but they bounced back this past weekend with the 4-0 win against Everton at home at the King's Meadow and goals from... Fran Kirby, no surprise there. Uh, Sam Kerr and Beth England. So four goals and a good way to bounce back from that defeat last week and uh, kickstart a campaign in in the Women's Super League in in a stadium full of Chelsea fans, which is, again, like we've been saying, Stamford Bridge and and the atmosphere there, Kings Meadow and and the fans there who missed out on last season's treble win, uh, come back to appreciate the the ladies and, um, you know, Move, move into the following games coming up. Uh, I believe this weekend is against, uh, give me a second. Let me just pull that up against Manchester United on the 26th, actually. So a couple of weeks off, but big games coming up. Yeah. So exciting times for the women's team and the men's team here. Rahul, I'm really excited to have fans back to back to back in the stadiums again. That's making a huge difference. Uh, I love it when we can have our fans in the stadium supporting and it's just going to be a lovely season all round. So we're looking forward to Champions League tomorrow and then we'll see what happens next. Yes, sir. And it's good to be back on the podcast too. Absolutely. Um, and hopefully our listeners enjoy. But that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us at the Premier Chels on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. Uh, as always, send us your feedback and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we will read out your review and give you a shout out uh, if you do that. So please do that. It's at the Premier Chelsea again on Apple. Uh, and we will be back later this week to do a Zenit review and a North London Derby against Spurs this weekend. We'll do that preview. So uh, stay tuned. But until then, stay safe and up to Chelsea.